We have two of them. First one comes from Matthew 28, 1 through 8. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other women went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And the second reading is from Luke 24, 28 through 35. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is our word for today. Hey y'all, it's Cameron. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm the worship pastor here at Zao MKE Church. Some of you might be asking, uh, where is Jonah? And, well, last Saturday, Jonah started to display some sick symptoms, and by Sunday, after service, uh, they were fully-fledged sick. Wednesday, we were both tested for the coronavirus, um, and as of this recording, we're still waiting on test results. However, our doctor is pretty sure that that is what it is. So, today you get to hear from Jonah, but through me. And I know, if you know Jonah, you know how much they love to preach, um, and they couldn't, you know, not have some thoughts for you today. So, from Jonah, through me, to you. My beloved Zhao fam, hi, I miss you, I have the room. I'm heartbreaking broken to be writing a letter to you rather than preaching this Easter morning. As someone who has preaching nerves every single week, this is true. It is surprising to me how deeply sad I am to be unable to preach the gospel in this particular moment. It's a really weird Easter, you know? All over the world, we are in hiding. The sun rises and the birds chirp and those of us who have been deemed essential leave our homes 
in gloves and mask. He is risen! Indeed? As a friend wrote to me recently, this is not the holy week we expected, but it's the holy week we have. And I have to think that this is what the disciples felt as well. For all our triumphalist rewriting of the Easter story, the first Resurrection Sunday was a complicated mess. The tomb was empty. Is this a good thing? No one is sure. Disciples are there at the tomb with their spices and oils, there to anoint the body of their murdered beloved. But even Jesus' body isn't there. Presumably, it's been stolen. The one thing they had left, his actual body, to bury and mourn has been taken from them too. Elsewhere, disciples gather behind locked doors because their teacher has just been executed by the state, and if they are found, they might be as well. And further out, some just walk these lonely roads talking to strangers about the love they watched die. Slowly, the truth comes to them, but not with trumpets and Easter lilies and alleluias. Jesus joins them at the tomb, behind those locked doors and on the lonely roads. Mary and some of the other women are at the tomb, are the first to hear and truly understand. Jesus is risen! They try to tell the others, but the men simply do not believe them. Over time, more and more come to the truth. Some must test and touch the truth to know it. And then what exactly? Rome still stands. The disciples must still be watchful for their lives. But death does not have the final answer. It can be defeated, and God will never abandon us to it. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. This is not the victory the disciples expected, but it is the victory they have. The Acts of the Apostles chronicles what happens next. Years of dangerous and miraculous ministry. Christians, as they come to be known, are still violently persecuted, but they are also experiencing a fullness of life that changes them. The good news rewrites what it means to be community. It inspires music and poetry. It casts hope over everything that had once been hopeless. The good news is contagious and it's wild and cannot be contained. When empire tries to kill it, it grows underground. When empire tries to capture it, rebrand it, and sell it as, as its own, the gospel goes deeper underground still and gives life to anti-empire. The good news brings life to all those who receive it and shakes the mechanisms of death to their very core. This is not the Easter we expected, but it is the Easter we have. We are not able to greet one another with warm embrace. We are not able to worship in person. I am not able to speak these words to you with my own voice. But Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And may the good news find us at the tomb, on the road, 
underground and bring us life. In solidarity, Jonah. And so now we actually have a guest preacher, lead pastor Tyler Sitt from New City Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. New City Church is a community very similar to Zao in a lot of ways. Uh, Tyler planted it from scratch and focuses on eco-justice. New City Church uh, and Tyler have been in the fight with us for justice for people of color, queer and trans folks, specifically in the United Methodist Church, but also all throughout creation. As a church planner who is also a queer person of color, Tyler has been someone Joan and I turn to for solidarity and collaboration as we all attempt to church plant in an intersectional way. So a big, big thank you to Tyler for stepping in for Jonah today. And so listen up as you hear Tyler's take on this Easter story. In the end of Matthew, Mary stood before the crowd. Her voice shook, her face felt hot, her hands fidgeted with her clothes. But she looked the crowd in the eye and said, I know what I saw. And the disciples, knowing that the only thing harder than losing a savior was losing a savior twice, said, oh, Mary, one of them cooed, maybe go lie down for a second. Mary, enough of this. Mary, think about what you're saying. And she says, I know what I'm saying, and I know what I saw. And in the end of Luke, the men from the road stared at each other, each one for a moment considering whether or not he would be the one who showed his heart. They looked at each other and said, I know what I felt. I know that for a weekend the universe collapsed and my hope was dragged behind a chariot. But on this walk, talking to that man, my heart came alive like fire the way I feared it never would again. How is it that Mary and the men on the road came to see so clearly, to feel so confidently? We know that it wasn't because Jesus was right there in front of them physically, I mean, because he was right there physically in front of the guards at the tomb who did not become disciples. He was right there for Thomas, who refused to believe right up until he could see clear through the nail mark in Jesus's hand. Mary could see because she had spent the past three years practicing to see God. Of course, before then, she had seen a lot. She saw the everyday injustices her people experienced. She saw the corrupt economic systems, the unrepresentative government, she saw the kids who died hungry. But after three years, she saw Jesus weaving his way through all of that. She saw that mercy is a choice that never comes easy. She saw wisdom coming from the mud-packed eyes of someone who is blind but perceived humanity for the forest that we are. She saw a type of justice that grew one healed person at a time. She joined all of the legions of women Jesus entrusted with the sacred word. She joined the woman at the well who would carry living water to her community 
she joined the woman who survived almost being stoned by her community to go on to tell the world how to sin no more. Mary knew that in Christ, she found a rock to stand on. And when you stand on it, you can never be knocked down from it. And you can trust that rock even when your voice shakes. She saw that sight is a matter of practicing what you see. And she chose to see God moving in her chaotic, beautiful world. And how is it that those men could feel the way that they did with Jesus? Didn't Jesus speak with people whose hearts were unchanged, so unchanged that they executed him? Didn't Jesus himself preach himself hoarse in front of those who responded with only deadly hands and iron nails? The disciples felt their hearts warmed because they allowed themselves to have hearts that were open. Over the past three years, these day laborers, fishers, with their calloused hands and sun-beaten brow, had learned that if they're not careful, they would live their whole lives skating on the outside edge of their soul. It's easy to pace day to day, getting this done, building that thing, showing up to the events that you're obligated to, suffering through another meeting, sacrificing those hours of sleep again. It's easy to get so busy that you're only trying to put food on the table, trying to protect from the gnashing teeth of the world, trying to survive, saying yes to more than you're supposed to, saying no to more than you're supposed to. It's easy avoiding real conversations conversations, lobbing excuses over the fence, kicking the can down the road, ignoring the tensions, exploding at the wrong things, becoming the person you vowed you would never become, making yet another promise to yourself that you won't keep, distrusting rest, distrusting calm, distrusting silence, waking up and feeling like a bully and beat up at the same time. Yeah, the men had plenty to keep themselves busy. And they didn't really think of themselves as the spiritual type. They heard people talk about God, of having mystical experiences and so forth, and they thought, that's not for me, not in this lifetime. Jesus came and said, I think you're going to get tired of spending your whole life skating on the outside edge of your soul. Let's try what it feels like to spiral into the center. Let's allow the raging discomfort of silence to invite us to catch up with ourselves. He said, let's prepare a space for you to drink deeply from the wells of your innermost soul, to find peace in the inner sanctuary where you can befriend grief, where you can encounter the heartbeat of your deepest desire. With just enough pause, you can find that the soul all along was calling out for God. And everything else, the busyness, the noise, was trying to muffle your heart's call. Because after all, it is the call from God that, if followed to its fullest expression, will lead to many crucifixions. Having an open heart isn't cheap. And Jesus showed them that way of life. 
and they took it seriously, so much so that they could keep themselves open enough that when an unexpected sacred encounter happened on an ordinary road, their hearts could catch fire and there was enough oxygen in there that they could feel the flickering presence of God. But for every miracle you've trained yourself to see, and for every wildfire of love that your heart seeks to burn, there will always be a group of people who aren't ready to accept the good news. Come on, Mary, let's be log logical about this, they begged her. Come on, guys, I know you've been through a lot, but this is just too much, just too much. But Mary knows what she saw. And Mary knew that some truths are worth repeating because she knew that if you practice seeing God in the world, then eventually the liberating love of God is as clear and solid as a rock rolled away from the tomb. Of course things are still scary and of course the world is still hurting, but it's as if ultraviolet light became visible right there on top of the blood red and the dead grays. And the men decided that they would rather risk looking foolish for love than ache from being silent in fear. They came to proclaim that a day is not defined by what we get done, but how fully we love in it. These are the unarmed guardians of the world-changing gospel, the ones who choose to practice liberating love in the world when everything feels like walls and fences, to practice opening when everything feels like hiding away. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection all amounted to people finally knowing who their spiritual umbilical cord was connected to. With our feet on rock and our chest full of fire, it is now our turn to proclaim a liberating love to every part of the world. Man, woman, child, non-binary, trans, human, creation. We will never forget the difference between proclaiming the good news which results in liberation and joy in the world, and the cheap knockoffs of manipulation and coercion and oppression that end up serving the empire. Even if we have to shout it from our third story window, we will join the mighty chorus of our spiritual ancestors rejoicing, saying God's love has freed us, God's love frees us, and God's love will free us forever and ever. Amen. Family, in response to that word from Tyler, will you join me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you for your resurrection and all that it represents. We pray that you will make us trusting, like Mary, like the men on the road, believing in you and your truth and your plan, being hopeful, in spite of doubts, in spite of disbelief, in spite of anything that tells us that hope is gone. We pray that you will make us a people that are forsaking fear, forsaking 
the systems that are in power that are often so unjust. We pray that you will make us a people that are constantly seeking love, seeking liberation, seeking your truth and your good news. Amen.